Hello, and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,924. The topic is Q&A, and the title is How to Stay Mobile and Strong as You Age. One of my clients uh, is a personal trainer. Actually, over half of my clients are personal trainers, which I love because I know every time I help them, it's going to help their clients, so it's very rewarding. And she reached out and asked and said that she has a new client. It's the 70-year-old mother of an existing client. And she wrote the following. She said she wants to stay mobile and strong as she continues to age, but I've never worked with anyone of that age. What should I do? What are the do's and don'ts of training that population? We went on and talked a little more, but I thought that was a great question to address in today's podcast. People are only going to be as mobile and as strong as what they use on a day-to-day basis or, you know, say five out of seven days a week. Meaning if you normally don't get down on one knee to do something and you only do it once a week or once a month, the ability to do that is going to decrease. It is going to feel harder and harder to do over time. If you have to lift a heavy object over your head, if you only do that say once every holiday season when you change the uh, decorations in your house, it's going to get harder and harder to do that every holiday. If you want to stay mobile and strong as you age, you have to continue to use your mobility and strength as you age. And actually, that's a little misleading. (laughs) So because for many people, they've lost mobility, they've lost strength. They've lost a significant enough amount that at some point they think, oh crap, I have to do something about this. (laughs) And that's usually when they reach out to a trainer. So it's not that they have to stay mobile and strong. They actually have to work to get some of it back. And for some people, they may have never been very mobile. They may have been never been very strong. So they have to build it for the first time. Can you build muscle and strength in your 50s, 60s, 70s? Hell freaking yes. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I have actually read studies and I've actually done studies. I've participated in studies with people in their 60s and we were measuring uh, uh, strength increase and muscle mass increase. It 100% can be done, literally. I have absolutely no doubt. I've done it a bajillion times with clients. I've been in the studies that have done that. (laughs) So when I used to teach at the local university, I got to teach exercise physiology. I got to participate in different types of labs. And that was actually one of the labs we did. So I know firsthand in every way a person can know that, well, I guess other than being 50s, 60s, and 70s yet, I'm only 40, but I know that you can do it. So it's worth aiming for because it's absolutely possible. I actually use the same workouts, like the workout structure, as I would with my younger clients, as I do with my aging clients. I just modify exercise selection And the total volume of the workout might be a smidge lower on average. But I don't do anything like different. And I know that might sound crazy. You might think, oh my gosh, you know, he's going to make an older person try to squat 700 pounds. No, I wouldn't. I don't make all my younger clients squat 700 pounds, (laughs) you know. So what I mean by that is I always train my clients within what their body can do with like safe, safely and with proper technique. And then we do as much as their body can handle, like volume-wise, 
And then we focus on improving quality of nutrition, sleep, and stress management. And for older population, we definitely put a greater focus on hydration. As people age, they just forget to drink. They say they're not thirsty. It's typically related to lack of like reduction of muscle tissue and reduction of general movement. They might also have some, uh, you know, kind of bathroom issues and they don't want to have to urinate a thousand times during the day, uh, which is also related to usually they eat a lot less food, de- decrease in carbohydrates and sodium. Therefore, they're not storing the water. Therefore, they have to urinate more. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to deal with as you get older, but it can be corrected by staying active and eating properly. And then all of a sudden, a lot of those things kind of go away. So I think it's helpful to understand that it's not age that dictates what a person can do. It's the condition of their body. And it just so happens that as we age, the condition of our body tends to get worse. (laughs) It's just like a machine. You know, if you bought a brand new car and you started driving it off the lot, it's already gotten worse, <laughs> and it just continues to get worse as you continue to use it. Yeah, so it's like you know, it's an inevitable a- aspect of life. Is as we use stuff, it starts to fall apart. Now we can do our best to repair things, maintenance, you know, all that stuff, and I encourage everyone to do that. I do it myself, but it's reasonable that. If you take a population 20 years older than another population, they're probably going to have a little bit more conditions <laughs> to work around and deal with. But I have younger clients who are, you know, maybe they've had injuries and they're coming back from a surgery, they're coming back from a major injury. So they have lowered abilities and lowered capacities of what they could do than some of my older clients. So that might only be for, you know, a short period of time. As they get back into healthy habits and training, they progress faster and, you know, they can actually become better than they were before their injury. So they do eventually pass up the older population. But what I do with them while they're injured is the same as I would do with anybody else, which is the same as I would do with any aging client. And the reason why I want to make this point is just because someone is old doesn't mean they can't do really cool shit. People can do some really cool shit. And I would hate to take that ability away from someone just simply because as a trainer, I'm like, well, they're old. They can't do X, Y, Z. Bullshit. Let them try it. (laughs) Let them see what they can do. You know, I have clients over 60s and 70s who can deadlift twice their body weight. But I have clients in their late teens and early 20s who can't. Just because the client is in their 60s or 70s, I've even trained 80-year-olds, I wouldn't want to treat them as if they're weak. And then I train them with, you know, kind of submaximal, lower weight loads, lower capacity stimulus. And then all of a sudden they become weak because I didn't challenge them to stay strong. You train the person to the edge of what their body can do safely. You push progressions per workout, per week, per month. You push the body to get better. You also give the body what it needs to get better. Proper calories, protein, hydration, sleep. Try to manage stress as best as you can so you can stay up with proper calories, protein, hydration, and sleep. It's the same thing as you would do with anyone. The, there is no difference, but if I have to say there's a difference, it's literally just you might make different exercise selections than you would for a younger population in general. But it doesn't, like, there's really no difference. (laughs) So the reason why I feel kind of, like, passionate about this is I can't stand when somebody comes to me and they're like, you know, as you get older, things just fall apart. And I'm like, bullshit. 
I have people in their 30s who've whined and complained to me about, oh, I got bad shoulders. You know, as you get older, your shoulders get bad. Shut up. You're not even halfway through life. You are not old. You have weak shoulders probably because you trained like a jackass and you didn't take care of yourself. So stop training like a jackass. Start taking care of yourself. Your shoulders are probably going to be a lot better. Grr. <laughs> get fired up. But the reason why is I don't want people to discredit how awesome they can be and what they can do simply because of a number. That's bullshit. If you're still alive, you still have the possibility to do amazing and fun and cool stuff. So if you're alive, freaking take advantage of it and do some cool stuff. Do not, you know, relegate yourself to mediocrity when you don't have to. Okay. Got that out of my system. Now I can be calm. So uh, this is for the trainer, and this is going to be for anybody else, as I'll talk you through this structure that I commonly use with aging population. We start the workout with movement preparation. I actually do the exact same thing with any, any age of any client I have. We focus on proper range of motion uh, for the shoulders and the hips. We eventually, like, we first have to start with non-loaded range of motion. Just can they at least get into positions? That would technically, you can kind of call that flexibility. Then we would want to get into the full range of motions with some type of loading, which at first might be, you know, partial amounts of body weight. And then eventually we can get up to resistance, you know, with bands or small weights. And then eventually you can use your whole body weight. But... You first aim for, can you achieve full range of motion? That's flexibility. Then can I achieve full range of motion under some kind of weight load? That's mobility. Where you have flexibility plus strength in the range of motion, that's mobility. M-O-B-ility. Because <laughs> I say it kind of weirdly. Mobility. There we go. But that's the two, like two of the three things we focus on is shoulders and hips. The other one is core. And I don't mean just do a bunch of sit-ups. That's the last thing I mean. What I mean when I'm talking about core strength is the ability to brace and stabilize in a neutral hip position. Meaning, can like it's actually anti-rotation, anti-flexion, anti-extension. We want to be strong at preventing movement in the core. The reason why is we want to be able to pick up heavy things, carry heavy things, like maybe slip off of a step, slip, you know, trying to do something. Maybe we pick up a bag and the handle breaks. We have to be able to brace our core in a sudden moment in order to protect our spine. That bracing is anti-movement, anti-rotation, anti-extension, anti-flexion. You want to focus on core strength in anti-movement especially with aging population. I also do this with anybody uh, who is a strength athlete, and they do really heavy squats, deadlifts, overhead presses, um, various carries for all my strongman clients and medleys and crazy stuff. We train an enormous amount of core work on anti-movement. That is extremely healthy for the spine, and it's I think it's overlooked or misunderstood or just not even thought of uh, by a lot of people when they think about training their core. Do not just do a bunch of crunches. That is absolutely not training your core. That is just kind of growing and strengthening your rectus abdominis, the six-pack muscle, but it doesn't do anything necessarily for your obliques. It doesn't do anything for the small muscles around the spine. Um, it might not 
target your internal obliques, your transverse abdominis, which is not really a great, you know, kind of like not a super thick or strong muscle, but it's a muscle. We also want to strengthen our QL muscles, quadratus lumborum on the lower back. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, psoas, psoas muscles. There's an enormous amount of muscles when you talk about the core. So when you're talking about training the midsection, training the core, whatever term you want to use, uh, you want to think of anti-movement as your main type of stimulus. This is also excellent for athletes. So I just started writing some programming for uh, youth athletes at a center, a new uh, facility that one of my clients opened up. I'm going to be helping them with some programming. And I'm helping them with youth programming. Actually, also what they call Forever Fit, which is actually their 55 plus. So (laughs) funny enough, this is actually a pretty good conversation because I'm going to be writing programs specific for that, (laughs) uh, for the elderly, for that uh, training facility. But we do an enormous amount of anti-movement core work for athletes, for strength athletes, uh, sport athletes, elderly, everybody. That's actually the number one way I train my core is anti-movement. It's extremely, extremely healthy, extremely helpful. So that's what we focus on with our movement prep. If you want to learn more about that, you can listen to podcast 1112. It's a training podcast titled The Best Warm-Up Routine. If the podcast player you're on doesn't go back to podcast 1112, you can go to our website, www.brutalirongym.com. There's a podcast player on the site. Underneath the podcast player are instructions on how to find older podcasts. Again, podcast 1,112, training podcast titled The Best Warm-Up Routine. If you listen to that, I literally tell you how to set up this first part of the workout, step by step. The second part of the workout we go into is strength movements. I typically alternate uh, upper body versus lower body because I'll usually train clients a minimum of twice a week, if not more. Uh, Now, whether that's in person or actually like online programming, uh, they'll have at least two workouts per week. I try to get them to do more, but at least two. And we'll do one day is focused on deadlift or squat. And we alternate uh, sometimes per week or we alternate per month every four weeks. So we might do a deadlift on week one and three, squat variation or like a lunge or a step-up variation, some kind of knee bend variation where the torso stays upright on weeks two and four. Or we might do four weeks in a row of a deadlift and four weeks in a row of like a knee bend variation, which would be technically a squat variation. Some, I do a lot of box squats, so if you're like, oh, you know, as I'm older, you can't just squat, that hurts my knees, hurts my back, blah, 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 do box squats. Box squats are super freaking healthy, great exercise, uh, but on your lower body day, you're going to alternate between deadlifts and squats. On the upper body day, you're going to alternate between overhead presses and back pulls. This can be a pull-up, pull-down kind of uh, uh, angle where you're going kind of in line with your body, so vertically in line with your body. Uh, or uh, or you can say parallel with your body, whatever terminology you want. There's fancy terms like transverse, like plane and uh, frontal plane and all this stuff. Uh, but <laughs> you can do it in a pull-up, pull-down motion, or you can do a row, which would be like the opposite movement of a chest press. So rather than pushing something away from your chest, you're pulling it towards your chest. So we're going to alternate upper body days on overhead presses and heavy back exercises, basically. We would typically do three to five sets of three to five reps. Super freaking easy. (laughs) Basics, but the basics work. Uh, I would start at an RPE. Now, this is for trainers. An RPE, you would already know. So for anybody who's not a trainer, RPE stands for Rate of Perceived Exertion. Uh, We've kind of modified the numbers that you would typically see uh, in 
in studies for weightlifting, we just use a scale of 1 to 10. But actually, it's kind of like 5 to 10 is what you'll hear people refer to. 5 is like I'm moving and doing something, but it's not that hard. And then 10 is I literally died while I was doing it. (laughs) That's what you're going to feel like when you're at an RPE of 10 is if you don't pass out, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I was about to pass out. So that's kind of the range. Five is I'm doing something, but it's not really hard. Ten is I may have died in the middle there. So six-ish is a little hard. Seven's a little harder. Starting to get some burn, starting to have some difficult. Eight is, oof, you know, I'm definitely doing some work. Everything was, I could do it, but it was really getting kind of hard. Nine is, holy crap, that was really hard. If I tried to do anything more, I'd have to really get myself psyched up. And then ten is, you got psyched up. (laughs) So... When I work with somebody, and this is any age, when I'm introducing a new movement in week one of a program, we are not going to be at a super high RPE. There's no way, even my like 16, 17, 18-year-olds that come in and want to deadlift their face off, I will not let them do a 10 RPE on week one. Hell no, because I don't want them to get hurt, and there's absolutely no need for that. The movement is new to them, so their muscles are going to be stimulated and kind of promoted with adaptation, even by just like an 8 RPE, because it's so new, they're using muscles in different positions than what they normally do throughout the day or what they were doing in the last program. You don't need to go 10, you know, you don't need to go beast mode, you don't need to go all out, full send, whatever the terminology is nowadays. Um, You just like get an 8 RPE, and that's amazing in a week one. For elderly, I might just ask them to do a 5 or a 6 RPE in week one. Let's just Let's just do the movement, talk about positioning, and then week two, we'll add a little bit of weight. So week one, you might be at five to six. Week two, maybe six, seven, eight, depending on if they understand the technique. Week three, maybe an eight. Week four, maybe a nine. I very rarely, if ever, push any clients ever to attend. Even my youngest, healthiest, strongest clients, I rarely ever let them go 10 because it's just not necessary. We'll go 10 at a competition. We might even go 11. (laughs) But when we're in regular training, typically on like heavy max effort lifts, I just want to see where the technique is breaking down or where the muscles of the movement are the weakest. And that can you can show that in a 9 RPE. There's no need to go to a 10. Very rarely, if ever, do I have people go to 10s. This is why when I coach powerlifting clients, we almost never do a deload week. We'll do it when life gets chaotic or maybe they get sick. But we don't typically plan a deload week because I try to control the intensity of the program and they don't need a whole freaking week off every four weeks. It's stupid. You're just wasting so much time. You're wasting 20% of your time. So I am a big fan of keeping your RPE at like 7, 8, 9 and kind of floating around there all the time. It, it's slow and steady wins the race. I know no one wants to run the race slow and steady. But you'll be much happier and you'll thank me when you're setting PRs, crushing goals, you know, top 10 in the world, IFBB pro cards, all this stuff. After a decent amount of time, you put in some good years and all of a sudden you're on the top of the mountain. You're feeling great and you're healthy and you can stay on the freaking top. You know, out of flash in a pan, you get there and all of a sudden you're beat up and you have to quit everything and all of a sudden you don't even lift weights three or four later, three or, th- three or four years later. So that is the sets and reps, three to five sets of three to five reps. 
After the strength movement, we go to accessories. And for the elderly population, I emphasize a lot of carries because that's just really great kind of functional strength that they would need in life. We'll carry anything and everything. <laughs> and it can be carry at the waist, it can be carry at the chest, it can be carry overhead. You name it, we'll pick it up and we'll walk with it. Anything, all varieties are welcome. The more chaotic and crazy and weird, as long as it's safe, the better. Uh, just make them carry some weird stuff and talk about core neutrality and you know spine health and blah 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 blah. just make sure they're safe but carries 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 and we typically aim for around three-ish working sets of 10 to 30 seconds of time under tension like challenge challenge time then we do opposing muscle group volume what this means is if it's a lower body day and i'm doing deadlifts that is a hip hinge you're going to be focusing mostly on glutes and hamstrings and core stability so in the accessories, I'm going to do knee stuff, step-ups, lunges, maybe leg press, uh, just something that works the opposing muscles of the lower body. If I'm an upper body day and I did my strength movement as an overhead press, then my opposing muscles are the back muscles, and I would do that in the last section of the workout. But that's it. And then for those, we do three sets of roughly somewhere between 8 to 20 reps. So that's the whole workout is movement prep, you do shoulder and hip mobility, uh, kind of open up range of motion, get strong in the range of motion. Core, you do anti-movement core work. Then we do strength stuff. Then we do accessories, which is carries and opposing muscle group volume. That's it. That's it. There you go. Follow that program structure. Plug in new exercises every four weeks. Teach them what they're doing in week one. Progress the intensity weeks two, three, and four, and then get brand new movements the next uh, week and start it all over again. There you go. If you follow that, you will be a ridiculously successful trainer. You will crush it. Their clients will crush all their goals. Make sure they're following nutrition. You can go to our website, www.brinlirongym.com. Go to our free nutrition education page. The first document there is create your own nutrition program, and it'll teach you as a trainer or yourself how to write your own nutrition program. So if you are a trainer or you're an elderly <laughs> person, this is how you do it. There's all the answers, everything you need. The website has the free nutrition information. This podcast gave you the structure of how to structure your workouts, including sets and reps and some exercise selection ideas. Uh, there you go. So the general theory of staying mobile and strong as you age is use it or lose it. And if you've lost it, go get it. If you need anything, reach out. My email is brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.